previously on Transformers Chronicles. We talk about it on the network. I'm certain you've talked about it here. You gotta eat the filler. Mm-hmm. This is the filler. Hey, John, you okay? You look a little down. Oh, hey, Delvin. It's just the issue we're covering tonight. You know, I never read it as a kid, and you've really played me up as this Transformers expert. Because you keep threatening to sell my Spider-Man comics if I don't. That is entirely true, but besides the point, how are we going to get through this episode without someone who knows the ins and out of the issue? Hold that thought! Elsewhere on the campus of Transformers University. And that class is why there's so much confusion over whether or not Megatron can fly. Hey, what the? You're Delvin Williams. What are you doing here interrupting my lecture? Well, look, no time to explain. Just stand right here and smell this. What, what, are, you, what are you doing? Is that chloroform? Uh-uh. <clears throat> the things I do for this show. Meanwhile, back at Longbox Crusade headquarters, John receives a mysterious phone call. Wow, a mysterious phone call. Oh, it's Pat. Mystery solved. What's up, Pat? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Huh. Well, all right. I'll tell them. Bye-bye. What the? Delvin, is, is that Anthony from Transformers University? Yep. Do you have smelling salts on you? Of course. Here you go. Uh, uh where am I? John? Delvin? Did you chloroform and kidnap me so I'd be forced to guest star on Transformers Chronicles? Now when you put it that way, you make it sound like I did something wrong. That is so cool! I'm totally down to be on. You didn't have to chloroform me, though. You could have just used color forms. Yeah, 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 yeah. So where's Pat? Yeah, he just called. He can't be on tonight. Well, now what are we going to do? I mean, who do we know who's read this issue recently for the first time and has absolutely nothing to do? Hey, guys! I just finished reading Transformers issue 16 for the first time, and now I have absolutely nothing to do. Jared, come here. Uh, what the hell? Why did you chloroform him? He's already here. He knows what he did. Oh, boy. We cover an issue with a guest creative team with the help of some creative guest hosts on this episode of Transformers Chronicles. The Marvel Years. Hello, and welcome back to Transformers Chronicles. I'm Delvin, a.k.a. The Dark Web. In case you're new to the show, welcome and let me tell you what this thing is all about. We're going for a wild, crazy ride chronicling the awesome, wacky, and sometimes corny world of Marvel Comics, the Transformers. But I will not be going at it alone. Let's meet my chronicling companions, and things are a little bit different this time. First up, we have our Transformers expert, well, most issues, and the lesser half of Mary with Comics. Hello, Maggie. The provider of knowledge, Jonathan Schaefer Haynes. Jonathan, tell me something about your life. What's been going on since last issue? Well, Delvin, I'm glad you asked. The other day, Maggie and I had a uh, fun experience in the house where we were just hanging out, relaxing, watching, uh, designing women. So we were enjoying that until the bat that had gotten into the house flew around 
And that's when we learned that we are, in fact, a superstitious and cowardly lot. <laughs> and, but the bonus was that I learned that I am able to um, shriek like a small child when a bat swoops at me. Yeah. yeah. But, but I eventually was able to um, trap the bat in a box and got it back outside. So, so the bat is fine. Our nerves are fine. Everything's fine. Well, unlike other things in the box, a bat in the box is probably not a good Christmas present. No. I've never had a bat in my house, and I don't want to know how it would react if I did, because I'm too big to be carrying on certain ways that I would, yeah. most likely. Yeah, it, it was a learning experience for everybody. <laughs> how about you? Has your life uh, transformed in any way since we spoke last nah. time? It, it, it's been about the same here. Okay. Nothing to... Uh, Nothing too dramatic has been pretty much steady as uh, she goes. So no complaints here. I will just move on from my boring life. And here comes a change up. Of course, we normally have Pat here as our resident who, despite his lifelong love of comics, has never encountered Marvel's Transformers until now. And he wants to see what the fuss is all about, these robots in disguise. But today, today, we have none other than Jared Albrecht, the yard seller. Jared, what's up? What's up? What have you been up to since you've been on the show last? Well, Delvin, I'm glad you asked. Hmm. I have a tale that involves a road trip and some veterinary things. The bottom line is I took a long road trip with a bat to put it in John's house. <laughs> uh, why do we invite you? <laughs> and I'm very clear on what I've done. Yes. He, so, he is aware of what has has gone uh, down or or he knows what he did, as it were. I, I got it. I, so, I totally deserve it. Uh this is this is what we bring our guests on. You know, we're rolling out the red carpet tonight, folks. <laughs> All right. Normally, that would be enough for a podcast, but oh, no, 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 no. We have a guest. You probably know him from his amazing podcast, Transformers University, and we are very grateful to him tonight for his time. Welcome to the show, Anthony Rucali. Anthony, how are you? happy to be here, guys. Yeah, I'm excited. As as someone who listens to this show, uh, it's always fun to be on a show that that you enjoy on your own. Was it everything you hoped it would be and more? Uh, We'll find out. (laughs) <laughs> okay. I said I was once expelled from Transformers University for bringing bats to campus. <laughs> I didn't know it was a thing. I, I have no one but myself to blame. Uh, all right. So we have uh, two questions that we ask newcomers to the show that you've probably been asked a time or two. You're more than prepared to answer these questions. Number one, what was your introduction to the Transformers? Oh, that's that's a good question. Uh, the cartoon was my introduction to the transformers actually i grew up a gobots kid uh surprisingly enough and i don't my, believe you nobody grew up in GoBots <laughs> I did. um and my mom one day i remember it was like on cbs or somewhere that like they, it was like a saturday night and they had you know like a preview of their cartoon lineup on or whatever it was and and it was the episode where they introduced the dinobots and my mom knew i loved I was five years old. My mom knew I loved dinosaurs and she was like, there's something on you would probably want to watch and sat me in front of the TV and, and maybe watch it. And then, yeah, I was, I've been hooked ever since. Your mom's awesome. I don't know if you've heard my origin story. It involved my mom as well. Uh, so yeah, moms are great. All right. Question two, who is your favorite transformer or transformers? I, I won't leave it to just one. If you have just more than one that you love. 
Dear. Oh, no, I, I can go to one because it's the one that I have a figure shrine of in my collection, and that is Wheeljack. Uh, Wheeljack yeah, is, yeah. has always been my favorite. I think the light up ears were the first thing that kind of drew me into them. Yeah, yeah. And then the um, uh, the fake Alitalia stickers on the car, <laughs> on the toy, uh, always drew me into because um, it just always reminded me of my grandmother's house because she used to go to Italy to visit family, and uh, and so she always had like matchbooks or, or things from from the airplane uh, at home and and so i always kind of conflate uh you know kind of think of that with one uh with the other so uh yeah i would say it's wheeljack yeah that's really cool i you, you're used to hearing i mean i'm i'm basic like for me it's optimus you know it, it, but he's so easy and so it's nice to hear somebody have a newer pers- or better perspective than i do with wheeljack and a good tie into it if you wanted to talk a little bit about your website, because not only do you have a podcast, you've got a, a repository, basically, of toys and tech specs and all of my Transformers spotlights that I do, the tech spec information I am getting from Anthony's website. So if you wanted to talk a little bit about that. Sure, sure. So, uh, yeah, I um, uh, since 2002, I've uh, been the owner and operator behind a website called TFU.info. That's at www.tfu.info. Uh, I created it as a as a response to a question that used to be online a lot back then was uh, why doesn't Transformers have a site like yojo.com where it's uh, basically a figure archive of, of old GI Joe figures. And so I went and I created uh, a figure archive kind of in the same vein. And uh, it chronicles the entire history of the toy line from 1984 up until about 2016 when I started to do a redesign. Uh, so it will eventually be back up to date uh, to the modern figures, but uh uh, it's something I've I've done for a long time, and hopefully have provided a good service to everyone in the fan community. God bless you, sir. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing. <laughs> As a podcast, we will be tackling all of Marvel's Transformers comics in order, starting with issue one and working our way to the series end at issue eighty. We will answer any questions that are brought up to the best of our ability and seeing how these books we loved as a kid hold up to our oh-so-cynical adult eyes. The podcast is guaranteed to be, you guessed it, more than meets the eye. So, John, Jared, Anthony, it's time to talk some Transformers and about the plight of the Bumblebee right after this promo. The Transformers will return after these messages. Alexander Hamilton, Aaron Burr. If you're a history lover or a musical lover, you probably know about both Hamilton and Burr's rise to power in the early stages of American history and their infamous duel. But what if you didn't know the full story? What if one of them was a werewolf? White Rocket Entertainment proudly presents a 48-page full-color comic book, Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale. Written by Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, art by Nate Niles, colors by Ace Wheelie and Ken Solomon, letters by Percival Constantine, and edited by Johanna Albrecht. Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale, available digitally on Kindle and Comics Central, C-O-M-I-X Central. Prefer a print copy? Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale, along with my other published works, are available at theyardsaleartist.bigcartel.com. That's theyardsaleartist.bigcartel.com. Or you can buy it directly from me, creator Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, at any of my Comic-Con appearances. Hamilton vs. Burr, a werewolf tale. Get your copy today. You won't regret it. Don't take my word for it. Here's what Ming Chen from AMC's TV series Comic Book Men had to say about it. I really enjoyed it. A lot of great werewolf scenes in here. A lot of great... Uh, this is how I wish history would be told to kids. <laughs> <laughs> Books like uh, Hamilton vs. Burr, a werewolf tale. That's Hamilton vs. Burr, a werewolf tale. 
We now return to the Transformers. Welcome back. The issue we will be covering today is Transformers issue 16. And here is Jared with the cover description. The Transformers logo is blue. And it is clearly the 25th anniversary of Marvel because that's what it says in the corner box where Optimus Prime is standing in a very accusatory pose. Apparently I've done something. Cover price, 75 cents, possibly 95 cents in Canada. We're not really sure. Anyways, the main action shows a whole mess of flying Decepticons buzzing around Bumblebee. They're lighting him up with ordnance, and that must really sting. Let me know when these B puns start doing anything for you. <laughs> Bumblebee is taking it hard, falling back. There are two young men who are also caught in this crossfire, and they want no part of this golden honey trap. That's for Delvin. <laughs> All right, one more thing. <clears throat> There's also a cover blurb in kind of a pink lettering that says Bumblebee's Last Stand, which I don't believe. He gets in trouble a lot, but that's basically your cover. Decepticons swooping in, lighting them up, while two young human men scamper. Back to you, Delvin. Sweet. Awesome cover description, Jared. Uh, I was going to say something about Stung, but I couldn't think of a clever pun, <laughs> so that will have to exist uh, in its place. And now we will pass around the table to talk about the uh, what we think of the cover. Uh, Anthony, what do you think? Uh, I mean, I really like this cover. Uh, Herb Trimpey is the artist on this one, and uh, he is basically the Transformers cover artist uh, during this run of books. And it's not even the uh, only time he'll blow up Bumblebee on the cover of a Transformers <laughs> comic. It has uh, to be. It says Bumblebee's last stand. <laughs> <laughs> and see, that's where I was going with that, is that uh, as someone who read this way after it came out, but still while Transformers was a thing, I thought this would be the issue where he gets turned into Goldbug, and it's not. Um, so the the cover to me, as someone who went and bought it as a back issue, is kind of deceptive. But uh, the image itself is really cool. Jared. Yeah, Anthony's right. I mean, Herb Trimpey is a carryover from G.I. Joe. You know, I'm a G.I. Joe guy, so when I saw his name on the cover, I was already like, cool. And, you know, I'm just sort of tangentially touch every once in a while into the Transformers universe. So everything looks good to me. Uh, I will defer to the Transformers experts if anybody looks off model or anything. But the dynamic action pose of, of Bumblebee sort of reeling back uh, from the shots fired from all these flying Decepticons, I think it looks pretty cool. And I'll just hand it over to John. Uh, I agree with you guys. This is uh, Herb Trimpey is really starting to kick it into his own and he's going to be in a groove. The next bunch of covers are all going to be really amazing. The only criticism I really have would be Nel Yamtov's colors, you know, color choices, but there's nothing new there. <laughs> Not a fan. Not a fan. Delvin, what do you think of this? I like the cover and just re-looking at it now, one of the things that really strikes out to me are the uh, the resulting blasts that are right by Bumblebee's feet. Like yeah. that, it just something about that just, just shows that there's a lot of action going on in the cover. And yeah, Bumblebee is getting the business. <laughs> and, it, and it doesn't, it doesn't look good for him. And knowing what you know about Bumblebee, he's one of the smaller Autobots. He's one of the weaker ones. And seeing that he has the attention of four Decepticons who have the advantage of the higher ground, it looks like he's in a lot of trouble. So that would, draw me into wanting to maybe see a little bit more about what's going on with the book. And, and even with my limited knowledge of it, I do know that one of those Decepticons is, I always get this one mixed up, Shockwave, 
right? Nope. Yes. Nope. Mm-mm. It's not. Yes. I, you try to gaslight me. I almost. No. Got, what? No. I always mix up Shockwave and Soundwave, but it's Shockwave. And I know enough <laughs> to know that Shockwave is like a list villain. You got him and cronies versus the smallest, the smallest Autobot. So even I, with my little knowledge, was like, yeah, this is not going to be good for Bumblebee. Yeah. He's got ordnance going all the way through him. I know. It's not like good. the shot of one of the seat. One yeah. of the seeker shots goes through his chest, comes out his chest, then goes into his arm, goes all the way through that. And That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. They, I, yeah. I should have mentioned that in the cover description. Fail. <laughs> feel useless here, guys. I just wish I could be part of a team where we could all I work together. Here, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> now that you've heard our thoughts, let's rate this thing. If you don't know, we rate things here at Transformers Chronicles on a scale of 1 to 10, just like the tech specs of the original toys, 1 being the lowest and 10 being the highest. And Jared, you are so full of life tonight. You can start us off. What would you rate this cover? I'm going to go with a nice 7 point. No, I'm just kidding. There's no points on this network. I know the rules. If Joe November was here, he'd probably give it a 7.5. Um I'm just going to give it a solid seven. I don't think it's the greatest Transformers cover I've seen, but I really like it. So eh, seven. Well, I'll pass it to Anthony. I'd probably give this an eight. I think um, the violence level on the cover is pretty cool. And I think, yeah, the colors do kind of hurt it just a little bit, but the, the line work is incredible. John? I am also going to give it an eight. Uh, it would probably be a nine if the colors weren't so off, but an eight is an eight. And that's what this gets for me. Yep. How about and- you? I'm I'm right there uh, with uh, John and Anthony. I'm I'm at an eight, and I think averaging out that puts it right around you know that nice middle ground uh, that we normally don't get to here on the Longbox Crusade Network. But yeah, it's a good cover. It would make me want to read it. Bumblebee's always a popular figure and and pretty easy to put on the cover if you want to sell it. So I like it. Eight here. Here's John with the credits for the issue. All right, thanks, Delvin. Transformers 16 was first published in January of 1986. It has a cover date of May 1986. It is worth mentioning, as we alluded to, this is a fill-in issue, so the credits are going to be a little different than the ones we've been seeing before, but everybody in this uh, either was or goes on to do some uh, major stuff in Marvel. Um, Like, the story is by uh, Len Kaminsky, he was the fill-in writer extraordinaire, and then he had a tiny run on Web of Spider-Man until he got uh, official handbook of the Marvel Universe. He wrote those, and then finally uh, some adventures and things. But most notably for being the co-creator of War Machine, if I'm not mistaken. Anthony's nodding, so I will take that as uh, <laughs> cool. I, I love War Machine. That's very cool. Pencils are by Graham Nolan. He did a lot of drawing for both Marvel and DC. You can't tell because our podcast is an audio medium, but uh, trust me when I say that Jared is showing me an original drawing of James Bond, the uh, Sean Connery James Bond, which was drawn by Graham Nolan. Looks pretty great. But if you don't know him for him giving you a personalized drawing, you would probably know him as being the co-creator of Bane. Uh, it's inked by Tom Morgan. Tom Morgan does a lot of inking colors. Unfortunately, the one guy who decides to stick around while everyone else went on vacation was Nell Yamtov. And the hate, letters hate, are hate, by. Hate. <laughs> <laughs> had to throw in the hates, apparently. Letters by Bill Oakley. Um, he had kind of a tragic life. He was the original letterer on League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That's right. 
Uh, but yes, who- yeah, he died in the hospital, if I remember right, uh, while trying to work to pay for his bills, if my memory serves me correctly. I guess he had a pre-existing condition, so he couldn't get insurance, and so he had to be working right up into the, yeah. to the end of his life to try to pay for his bills. It's really sad. But there is a special thanks given to Elliot Brown, who did the splash page design and art. Elliot Brown, known from every tech manual that you ever saw, like Punishers had one and Iron Man had one. Jared's nodding again, as is everyone's nodding. He's the guy who taught me that a Glock was made of plastic. <laughs> what was that called? It was Punisher's War Punisher's Chest? Armory. Or, armory, that's right. And there was, like, Iron Man had one. Pretty sure it was called a battle. And, <laughs> and the, it is edited, uh, per usual, by Mike Carlin. Thanks to Mike's Amazing World and TFWiki.info for that information. And thank you, John. All right, let's get right to the synopsis. It is a world transformed where things are not what they seem. It is the world of the The title of this issue was Plight of the Bumblebee. The Decepticons have it all figured out. Shockwave has come up with an electro-framstambulator and they're gonna use said framstambulator and implant it in the head of Bumblebee, which will allow the Decepticons to control Bumblebee. That's step one. Step two is a series of question marks, and step three, world domination. Meanwhile, the Autobots are licking their wounds from their latest defeat at the hands of the Decepticons and the Robot Master. Optimus Prime asks aloud about Bumblebee, stressing his importance to their whole operation. Bumblebee, standing on the outside looking in, is despondent due to his self-perceived lack of effectiveness in the last battle, and drives away from the Ark. While moping by himself, Bumblebee is ambushed by the Decepticons and hurt badly. He manages to escape by powering down in a used parking lot, which later that night some street youths, which is appropriate 1986 language, breaks into the parking lot to boost the car. Guess which one they boost? Wrong. You're really bad at this. It's Bumblebee, silly. The Autobots, monitoring the news, seize the Decepticons, were after their boy and make their way towards him. Meanwhile, the street youths, through sheer luck, fix some of the damage from Bumblebee and allowing him to access to most of his fuel again. Unfortunately for them, that means the Decepticons can track Bumblebee, they do, and the chase is back on. That chase involves the United States Air Force, which have absolutely zero importance to this story. And as Bumblebee is about to make his last stand, Jetfire swoops in for the save, followed by the combined forces of the Autobots and the humans. Shockwave and company retreat and Bumblebee realizes his place is alongside the heroic Autobots. Huzzah! So let's talk about the book. On Transformers Chronicles, we take turns bringing up something from the comic book, starting with, but not limited to, goods, bads, and everyone discusses. So, uh, Anthony, you can start us off. So uh, for me, I feel like this plot is a little bit uh, cookie cutter. It's something that we we, we see many times in Transformers. Uh, This isn't the first time, and it certainly isn't the last time, where we have an Autobot stuck in vehicle mode who gets stolen and then... Uh, you know, gets used by humans and gets chased by Decepticons. I think the interesting thing here is how much of an inspiration 
parts of this book seem to be towards the 2007 film, yeah. uh, Bumblebee being stuck in vehicle mode and kind of like, you know, damaged and in a parking lot and eventually bought by humans. I think that mm. that's, you know, there, there's a, there's a distinct parallel from this story straight into the first Michael Bay film. Um, overall, it's not a terribly exciting plot. Um, but, uh, the art's really pretty. <laughs> yeah, the story is about as straightforward as they as they come. You're absolutely correct on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, this was a filler issue that was sitting in the drawer. We don't know when it was written. It basically serves to be so generic that they could kind of slide it in at any given point. Uh, even though it does require a retcon because of Laserbeak and Buzzsaw being there, whereas the last time we we saw them last issue with Megatron. Hmm. So, th so then there's a there's a line in 18 that has to explain that to explain that he had sent them off to catch the other ones. And apparently they stayed with Shockwave for a while. Oh, birds. So, Jared, any comments? Certainly. That's enough. All right. Moving on. To <laughs> Go ahead, man. First of all, <laughs> plight of the bumblebee. I love it. Yeah, that's pretty great. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm going to take a different tact than Anthony. I'm by no means saying uh, he's wrong because his opinion is cool and, and legit, but he knows a heck of a lot about Transformers. He's read a million issues. I haven't. So I actually found this issue to be kind of welcoming because it's simple. I I'm getting to learn simple characters, uh, simple relationships. The only thing that struck me as truly odd, and I guess I'd have to lean on John, Anthony, or Delvin, is that they really kind of built up that whole, you know, we install this Gigama widget in the uh -huh. Bumblebee. We will own him. And it's like, and that's the end of the issue. Moving on. I'm like, <laughs> okay, did the master plan? Does that come back? I'll ask the group. Does that come back? No. <laughs> they really dangled that carrot. And then they're like, no carrot. For I you, mean, <laughs> they, there's, an, there's an issue coming up, uh, 21, in which it has a similar plot, but it's by a different means and, and with different characters. I mean, I don't know if Pat's going to listen to this, so I don't want to spoil it for him, but. But they do go with the mind control aspect and then they actually, you know, do something. So maybe that's what he was planning to do. Okay. I don't know. I, I, I like Delvin's. They, they do seem pretty underpants, gnomes. Well, John, we can't spoil the series, but I know that Pat has read G.I. Joe versus Transformers issue two because we've covered it somewhere else on the network. So right. in that uh, issue, a kid was injected with a cerebral shell. Oh, right. Yep. So, but and Bombshell has not appeared yet in the comics. We has will not. meet him. We will meet him next month. Mm, nice. But yeah, I, I gotta echo it. This plot is, and, and I never read this as a kid. I never had this one. And in fact, I, you know, I've only read this a couple of months ago when I found it in the store in the dollar bin. That was the first time I was really excited, and I'm really in that. And I was like, "Oh, that that sure was an issue." Pretty though. Mm. <laughs> uh, there's a theme here. It's the uh, last episode of this I was on had <laughs> 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 a similar issue that was sort of a one and done. You were the one that demanded to be on all the filler episodes. I did. I think I did this to myself. <laughs> yeah, so you created your own prison there. We're, yeah. We can just call you Scott Stapp from now on. <laughs> Moving on, Anthony. Second round, sir. Yeah, actually, the, um, the rereading this today before uh, getting ready for the show, what I, I did notice is how great the lettering is in this book. 
Um, the word bubbles for the Autobots and Decepticons are different. The word bubbles for Bumblebee thinking versus Bumblebee talking are none of them are your standard just circles. Um, there's sound effects throughout. Uh, I mean, even down to like people slurping a soda, you know, the two youths uh, having having a drink inside a Bumblebee. It's, it's just it's really thoughtful in terms of the lettering, which is not something I always look for. But when it's really good, it stands out. Because uh, that's something that Pat brings up a lot, mm-hmm. and it, and it's always it always is a cool little touch that they have in the book where you have the way that the robots speak as opposed to the way they think, as the way they the way the humans talk and everything else. That's pretty cool. Random note: I just wanted to mention. I remember Lane Kaminsky from Iron Man. Didn't he do a long run of Iron Man as he well? Did. Okay, yeah. okay. And, and um, Avengers in the 90s, too, but the less, from from my opinion, the less said about that run, the better. <laughs> but I, I do want to tack on with, with uh, Anthony. Great point, because I did notice the lettering as well. I thought, oh, that's cool. The thought bubble is like squared off, you know, robotic. Anyway, it, good point, Anthony. I just want to add that 1986, I think, is when this came out. Must have been just a glorious time to drive around because those two young men. We're like, we're on the road. Yeah. Like, where are you going? Don't know. Yeah. <laughs> on the road. Portland must have been a freaking like Mad Max back in 86. Because for God's sake, we had the mafia two issues ago, like running around and that one dude with Megatron taking over and building his crime empire. And now we got hoodlums stealing cars and well, John, didn't they mention they're in Wisconsin in this book for whatever I reason? thought I saw that too? Yeah, because the whole time I was like, is this the Pacific Northwest? Uh, commonly known as Oregon. Uh but <laughs> <laughs> I went on to discover what's that up, Rick? It said Wisconsin, and I thought, oh, that's and I was like, good grief! That like apparently Bumblebee led the Decepticons on one heck of a chase. Either that, or he just took off so far away from the Ark in his depressed state that he just wound up in the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin. Well, if this is Wisconsin, then that totally makes sense because there is absolutely nothing to do in the state in 1986 except Joyride. We're on the road! We're on the road! (laughs) Hanging out! I picture them going through the drive-through, mm-hmm. you know, to get their fast food, you know, politely paying, getting change, and then <laughs> oh, we're on the road, we're on the road, now we're on the sidewalk. <laughs> well, there was something to do in Wisconsin because right outside the um, the used car lot, there was there's a concert poster for Jimmy Buffett playing July fifth. Really, Jimmy Buffett? <laughs> See, so in this universe, we have Jimmy Buffett and the Bangles, but Brick Springsteen, Brick <laughs> Springsteen. Madonna as well, Madonna, and Madonna, but but no, but no Bruce. We only have Brick. No Bruce. We only got Brick. But we you know we don't we don't deserve Bruce. Going by the picture, it's a guy. I swear he's in an apron holding a hot dog. It might be Jimmy Buffet. <laughs> hot dog no. in paradise. <laughs> we, we are we are not that clever in Wisconsin. 
So because you're yeah. on the road, because we're on the road. <laughs> yeah, your attention to detail is amazing because I did not even picture the see the Jimmy Buffett in concert. Now I'm looking, <laughs> and it certainly isn't Jimmy Buffett. There, there are no flip flops anywhere or a palm tree. There's a guy holding a yeah. It looks like a hot dog, dog on a stick. So anyone want to talk about any lesser? finer details about the story. <laughs> oh, I got a couple. Go got, for it. Moving right into my nitpick section. Um, for, for one, first, they misspell Laserbeak. It's with a Z. Content page five, like toward the bottom, it says affirmative Laserbeak proceed. Oh, yeah. Aha! There's attention to useless detail that no <laughs> one would care and doesn't detriment from the story in one way. I'll make it worse. In 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 1997, there will be a toy called Lazorbeak with a Z O R P E A K. Awesome. <laughs> Is it still the bird? It's a pterodactyl and not the same character. What? All There's right. a pterodactyl. <laughs> oh, son of a. <laughs> Somebody bring me Lazorbeak. I said Lazorbeak, not Lazorbeak. <laughs> <laughs> um, another nitpick in Transformers number one which if you've all forgotten, you can go back and listen to on our very first episode. Uh, but they do establish that Bumblebee in that has no gas pedal or brakes. Well, you remember when they start figuring out who the humans were and how yeah. humans interacted with machines, they did the retrofitting and stuff. So Right. I was gonna, That was what I was going to... Um, like Wheeljack would have given him the uh, gas pedal and brake by that point, but still apparently he went way too far to the point of, and in case someone tries to hotwire you, they'll be able to. <laughs> well, also remember that for whatever reason, Sparkplug was able to do a pretty good job of fixing the Transformers as well, right? At, at yeah, and then he was he was able to f- be fixed, you know, later just by him plugging in the gizmo into the what's it and yeah, while fixing the car, these these two guys didn't find the inflatable human that drives him with the. the <laughs> Throw him on the road! They chucked him out the window. <laughs> He's on the road. Well, gentlemen, any other great points that you want to bring up about the book, or not so great for that matter? I will ask a question: Is this the first appearance of Jetfire in the series, or has he already appeared? Jetfire has already, already appeared in the series. Ah, I was really hoping to take that away from Pat. All right, never mind. <laughs> no, one of the bigger uh, story arcs uh, in the first year, uh, it revolved around uh, the creation of Jetfire. And so he's already made an appearance. Uh, yep, yep. Nope, I remember it now. I didn't read it, but uh, I do listen to the show. Sweet. He is continuing his streak of being completely worthless in this in this issue where he shows up, does one thing and then gets immediately taken down. <laughs> I noticed that. I was like, Jetfire, yeah. <laughs> this won't be the last time. Bob, I think, is trolling us after a while. It's both Optimus Prime and Jetfire barely get to do anything. But much like the comic, it's very pretty to look at. It sure is. Oh, one more thing. How about Bumblebee just complete misinterpretation of what's going on? I mean, he doesn't seem to realize that these two are joyriding and breaking the law and endangering them. He's just happy. He goes, wow, I got to help my friends. And yeah, that he, well, uh, you know, they were, they were trying to work an angle. It seemed like, yeah, I don't, I don't really belong with Autobots. Well, yeah, Hey, at least these people need me. So I'm <laughs> yeah, but there's, a, 
That's quite a shift from beloved um, spy of the Autobots to assisting two hoodlums commit, you know, <laughs> vehicular manslaughter, which they're coming pretty close to in a couple of cases. Yeah, I agree. I agree. No argument there. They don't tell us the name of the city. It just says city limit population. I can't read that. We do settle one um, longtime Transformers argument on the final page in the first uh, box uh, is that Rumble is red thanks to the lettering. Uh huh. I see what you did there, but it's true. Rumble is right. <laughs> you don't believe me? Tonight, I swear. Right <laughs> I didn't get that one. <laughs> so I'll, I'll give you the it's quick okay. version, of Jared. Um, in the comic and in the toy, Rumble and Frenzy are essentially the same character model. They're colored uh, black for Rumble and black and red, and blue for Frenzy. On the cartoon, which was much more popular, they were swapped. So oh. it's, it's been a discussion, a debate for 35 years now. <laughs> much like Megatron's ability to fly. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. That one hasn't been going on as long, but it is much more in-depth and important. Particularly to this podcast. We'll talk about that <laughs> later. So, <laughs> do we have any other points to discuss about this book? Jared's nodding his head. John's in darkness. Anthony's nodding his head. And in that case... You got the touch. You got the power. Yeah! Now's the time for us to talk about who had the touch, where we talk about which character in the book stood out the most, be it Autobot, Decepticon, or Human? Anthony, talk to us, man. Who had the touch for you in Transformers 16? I, I'm gonna go with um, <laughs> I'm gonna go with Waldo, the uh, the car thief. Uh, <laughs> he figured out how to hotwire Bumblebee, and he can fix anything according to him to his own words. So uh, <laughs> I, I, he even knew the engine was in the trunk on a on a Volkswagen. So I'll go with you know I'll go with that one. And I mean <laughs> he ha- he has the innate ability of like everyone were chasing after him that he could just stop and no one could find him in the middle of scenery. Yes. <laughs> Moving on. Let's go to John this time. John, who had the touch? Uh, you know what? Nobody in this issue at all deserves the touch. So I am going to give the touch to our uh, lovely guests today for you know bringing some joy for both what they do for us today on the show and in their own endeavors. So I tip my hat, which I may, I'm wearing as far as you know. You two got the touch. Yes, Anthony for his work on the website and podcast, and Jared because he is touched in the head. <laughs> Moving on, Jared, who had the touch for you, sir? I John makes a great point. Every time I was like, as I was reading, I was keeping this in mind. I was like, all right, all right, Optimus got a good speech, but well, he's kind of gone, and uh, you know, there's this Bumblebee issue, and uh, he's not uh, the carjacker guys, uh, Jetfire, no, not, not Jetfire, <laughs> so. I got to be honest with you. It's going to be an original thanks to Anthony, but, you know, Waldo McCarthy, you know, he knows what he's doing. I can change mine to the guy that was uh, driving the, the the car that raced Waldo and beat him. Oh, <laughs> I probably should have done that I forgot that guy. There was another winner. But, no, I actually thought that was kind of cool because, like, he did hotwire him. He did fix him. I don't know. Like you said, this is a, it's, a, it's a weird issue for the touch. Uh, Delvin, would you like to go ahead and give me the touch? 
Uh, could you work that? When all hell's breaking loose, you're going to be right there in the eye of the storm, buddy. Show us on the doll where he touched you. (laughs) I'm going to go with Bumblebee because you guys are sticks in the mud. He is important. And that was the whole purpose of the book, that he belongs with the Autobots. The smallest, littlest one has the biggest contribution. (laughs) I get that, but he was like just... So like in his feels, the like he was obviously listening to the Cure a lot in the when he was driving around. He was, he was, he was, he was definitely down in the dumps. Yo, know? he, he's small, he's weak. Nobody wants him. He's useless. But they all knew. He assumed that the people they must be talking about. Yep. I'm gonna go get blown up by all the Decepticons who are currently functional. Every single one of them. <laughs> Here comes Jetfire! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I am just a broken machine and I do things that I don't really mean. Alright, so uh, we have talked about the touch, then someone had to be out of touch. We talked about the character that was the worst in the book. And they should be forced to come up with a convoluted device that he never got to use and couldn't beat the weakest robot with a surprise advantage in the segment <laughs> called Less Than Meets the Eye. It's very specific. I mean, <laughs> Jared, who, who do you think was Less Than Meets the Eye in the book? Oh, I know this is very, I, I'm not doing this on purpose to be contrary, but I can say Bumblebee, man. Just the whole, just in his feelings, like, nobody loves me. Yeah. <laughs> like, you clearly have this robot family that loves you and goes to the ends of the earth kind of literally for you. It's, I don't know. Come on, Bumblebee. Chin up, buckaroo. Get back in there. He's uh, back in there now. He realized that at the end. Yeah, I guess so. I guess there was a lesson learned, but he was just so depressing. <laughs> and everything is great. Rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, I'll pass it to Anthony. Who's less uh, than meets the eye to you, sir? Uh, I was going to go pretty much the same way. Uh, I'm not a fan of emo Bumblebee. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he also gets everything wrong, as Delvin said You know, earlier on. This whole plot feels like a bad like Three's Company episode where he just misunderstands <laughs> everything someone's done. <laughs> and then so we finally get it wrapped up at the end. So yeah, Bumblebee is definitely my less than meets the eye. John, how about you? Where's that Gary Oldman meme where he's going, Everyone! <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually rolled a 20-sided dice and came up with Shockwave. Shockwave's plan is stupid, but it, he sticks to the plan to the extent that he gets the United States Air Force involved for some reason in every cop in Wisconsin. And then just goes, whoa, well, this may, maybe we didn't think this out. Retreat! And the end. Shockwave hasn't. Maybe he's still cleaning the tar out of his, you know, ear, his robot ears or whatever since you know Prime threw him in there because he really hasn't been all that great afterwards yet. Yeah, I'm with you on that. First of all, you look at that device. That device was as big as Bumblebee's head. So how was it going to fit in Bumblebee's head? Was it going to replace his head? It was a big device, is what I'm saying. And he didn't use it. We even we didn't even see what happened to the Fram Stam Combambulator. It, it just <laughs> it just disappeared after that panel. So we even never knew what happened to it. And you would think that of all the losses 
that you would want to take. This is the second time in about three or four months that Bumblebee has gotten the better of Shockwave. Because at the rock concert, Bumblebee threw a rock at him. <laughs> that must be why he decided to go after Bumblebee after that. He's like, oh, I am going to come up with a scheme and it's going to, you'll see. He's <laughs> like, yeah, like I, I have these stats. I am 1,238,042. And he just added another L to my record and that ruins my percentage. And and then that Bumblebee just threw another L on his record. Just just Shockwave hasn't been looking good lately. Is is all I'm gonna say there. In Shockwave's defense, sir, <laughs> <laughs> Your Honor, Delvin, you got to remember from our military history classes: no plan survives first contact with the enemy. Just remember that <laughs> he had a plan. It wasn't bad. First contact didn't work out. Look, all I'm saying is, like for instance. Let's say that I wanted to go, like, I wanted to demoralize the Albrick family. All right. Which you have on many occasions. And so, so there are four of you. There, there, there's you, there, there's, there's your wife, and there's your oldest son, and there's your younger son. So I decided that I was going to go after the younger son, and I got me and like three other dudes, and I couldn't take on a six year old. <laughs> okay. When you put it like that, it does seem bad. I'm just saying. (laughs) I've said enough. Now's the time for the overall ratings for the book. To recap for the audience, we use the tech specs, 1 to 10, and uh, we want to describe how best we felt about this issue. So, uh, Anthony, what would you rate the book on a scale of one to ten? I rate this uh, this about a six. It's a little, it's a little bit. It's not, it's not bad. It's it, the art's really nice. The lettering is really cool, um, but the story is lacking. It, it's simple, which is a good way for it to be an entry point, like Jared said. But um, it doesn't do anything to advance the overall series. You could completely skip it and not miss a beat with with uh, uh, the storyline. So, I, yeah. yeah, I would end up at a six. I'm giving it a four. When it comes down to it, I'm much more of a story person than a, than an art person. The art's really great, but this story is, well, I don't think it's that good. So, a four. Jared, you are our expert one-shot person. You don't have a lot of experience. And you mentioned that you kind of like the simple story because you're able to digest it easy. It's more bite-sized chunks. It's kind of like Beanie Weenies. How do you like Beanie Weenies, Jared? I like Beanie Weenies. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Uh, I would give it a seven. But uh, again, you know, John and, and Delvin and Anthony, every one of you are, are into this giant universe. So I, I could understand. It, it's a one and done that doesn't go anywhere. I get John's four. He said it wrong. It's supposed to be, it's a four. But uh, you'll catch it. All right. <laughs> but uh, but I, I, I liked it. I found it very welcoming. But I, I fully embraced the fact that I would be in the minority here as just a very casual reader. So, yeah. Yeah, but it's completely understandable. I mean, from those perspectives it does have quality it's just it didn't do it for me i'm glad it did for you if no one had read a transformers comic at all i mean i could do worse than to hand them this just because if they read this even if they don't like the story they should be able to tell whether or not they like the basic premise Mm -hmm. that's fair because this has everything you need in a transformers comic you know you got dastardly plan um your favorite autobot and um you know on the road! On the road! Yeah, again, I know, I'm kind of coming at a weird angle. I, what do you got, Delvin? I don't think it's a weird angle. It's a newcomer's perspective, which is one of the things that we have this 
whole freaking podcast for anyway. So that you have it as a seven is not out of ordinary or bad or wrong or anything of that nature. I'm at about a six. Um, I we definitely had some better stories uh, so far in Transformers, and this was uh, a cookie cutter issue in one of the um, what's that term? We've you've used it before on Spider Man, and I'm blanking on it. That that top drawer inventory book, I think, is what it was. Something like that. Ryan Daly, who Ryan, I remembered you if you've listened this far. Um, he is the one who came up, who told us about whatever the title is that I'm not going to remember. But yeah, it was one of those stories. So you're not going to get the best out of it. But I've read worse uh, top drawer uh, issues that you're just pulling out of, you know, the drawer and just giving, you know, so people have content. So it's a six from me. Not bad. Not bad at all. We can and never will leave you without John's segment of the show called Transformers Spotlight, where he discusses a particular Transformer, which was featured in today's issue. It's all yours, John. Today we're doing Bumblebee. Uh, here's what you would read on the back of Bumblebee's toy or also at tfu.info, where I got this information. So thanks, Anthony. No problem. Bumblebee's allegiance, Autobot, his function, espionage, his motto, the least likely can be the most dangerous. Uh, small, eager, and brave, Bumblebee acts as a messenger and spy. Due to his small size, he dares to go where others can't and won't. He idolizes the bigger Autobots, especially Optimus Prime and Prowl, and strives to be accepted. He's the most energy efficient and has the best vision of all the Autobots, and he can go underwater for reconnaissance and salvage missions, which is something they feature in a lot of the coloring books for some reason. Although physically the weakest Autobot, his stealth more than compensates for this inadequacy. This issue doesn't show that, but... No, what very stealthy. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. His strength is two, his intelligence is eight, his speed is four, which apparently means he can go over 200 miles an hour, as stated in this book. So, but man, those the nines and ten speeds are pretty fast. Uh, his endurance is seven, which is weird because he's supposed to be the most, the best energy efficient, so you'd think it'd be higher than that. Uh, his rank is seven, his courage is ten, his firepower is one, and his skill is seven. All right, now Bumblebee's G1 toy began life in the micro-change line of Japanese toys and would come in either yellow, red, or blue. He transforms into an old-style VW Beetle. Uh, in the U.S., he was one of the mini cars and was yellow, obviously, but as I mentioned in the Cliffjumper spotlight, he um, also was reissued as red when Cliffjumper was, uh, was usually red. was reissued as yellow in a move to make it look like there were more toys to buy. And there's also, I should ask Ant about this because I always screw this one up. Um, there's a thing called Bumble Jumper. So Go Bumble ahead. Jumper is um, another one of those microchange molds. Uh, so whereas Cliff Jumper was the Porsche and Bumblebee was the Volkswagen, uh, there was one that was basically just called Sedan. Uh, and it was a very similar car, same style transformation, different face on the robot. And so in early waves of the, the Transformers line, when they were just repackaging old Takara products, uh, they just slapped them on Bumblebee uh, cards or Cliff. I always forget if it's Bumblebee cards or Cliff Jumper cards or both. But uh, they basically just took them and packed them in. So he's yellow like Bumblebee. He eventually became a character in um, the later uh, post Marvel iterations of Transformers comics, known as Bumper. And uh, that that is the, the figure that was a mystery for a very long time because he looks like neither one of them. Cool. 
Bumble Jumper? Yeah, he didn't have an official name, so he was sold as Bumblebee and he was sold as Cliff Jumper, but he wasn't either one's toy, so they <laughs> made him into Bumble Jumper, and then it got shortened further into just Bumper. <laughs> That's really jacked up. In fact, when I find things that are jacked up now, I'm going to call it a Bumble Jumper. Bumble Jumper? Yeah, I'm like, oh, we got ourselves kind of Bumble Jumper here. <laughs> That's pretty great. Bumblebee got a couple of other G1 toys, including uh, Goldbug, who was a Throttlebot, and a Pretender Bumblebee. Uh, I will talk more about those in future episodes. Besides maybe Optimus Prime, Bumblebee is probably the most popular Transformer, especially outside of the hardcore fandom. Uh, There's just something compelling about the little guy. Both in the cartoon and in the comics, G1 Bumblebee is usually shown as being a friend to humans, especially Buster and the rest of the Wikis, and or Spike, I should say. Spike or Buster, and is featured a great deal of the of the uh, cartoon episodes. In the comics, he mostly is there just to get blown up, reformed, blown up again until later when he kind of settles down as more of a main character. His small stature and relative weakness allows him to act as an audience insert character, whether or not humans are around. Uh, for me, I liked him because the the fact that he was voiced on the cartoon by um, Dan Gildeson, who also voiced Spider-Man in the early 1980s cartoons, helped out a bit. Um, and Bumblebee was also one of the few original bots who survived the animated movie Massacre, which is a good thing because I don't think young me would have been able to handle that on top of the rest of that slaughter. <laughs> I, I still am not the same after Optimus. Like, literally today, it is... Part of me died watching him turn gray. For me, it was Ironhide hit me way harder oh. than Optimus with how he went. Ironhide always gets it, no matter what like form movie. Right? But he always gets it the worst. We'll have to do. They did a comic. Marvel did a comic adaptation of the movie. We'll have to cover that on the on the show. Um, even the Bay movies couldn't take away this guy's charm, despite a number of weird decisions. You know, he can't talk and is a Camaro. But that's probably what led him to be able to carry a solo movie, in which he's so far the only Transformer who can make that claim. In the IDW books, Bumblebee goes through the ringer, and at the point that uh, Maggie and I are covering over on the Rod Pod, he is currently trying to match political wits with Starscream while trying to hold together a tenuous situation that they're in. It probably will not surprise you that it is not going the best for him. And that is Bumblebee. And now's the time for a promo break. The Transformers will return after these messages. It is a world transformed where things are not what they seem. Want to learn a bit about the Transformers? Think you know everything about Cybertron, but are looking to learn a little bit more? Enroll today at Transformers University Podcast. Each episode will tackle a piece of Transformers history, starting in 1984 and marching our way up to today. Hosted by me, Anthony Brucalli, three-time Emmy Award winner and consulting producer on Netflix's The Toys That Made Us, and lifelong Transformers fan, we'll go on a journey through cartoons and comics, toys and movies, and all the weird esoterica from around the world, chronicling the adventures of everyone's favorite, Robots in Disguise. Listen to Transformers University on iTunes, Google, Spotify, YouTube, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Transform and roll out! 
We now return to the Transformers. And that's the show, everyone. Please come back and join us for next episode where we discuss Transformers issue 17, where we go back to planet, or excuse me, where we go to planet Cybertron for the very first time. I am so excited. I know. You've, you've only I've been, been talking been about this issue since like five. <laughs> 17. 17 is the greatest. I love 17. 17. If you'd like to hear more from us, Longbox Crusade is in a lot of places. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and most podcatchers to include Spotify at www.longboxcrusade.com. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon, all Longbox Crusade. We have a YouTube channel. Please subscribe. We do a do it live stream once a month, every second Sunday, and the occasional pop-up show here and there. You can also contact us via email at contact at longboxcrusade.com. And since this is our show, I should mention that you can also find us on Spotify uh, separately on Transformers Chronicles if you just want to listen to Transformers Chronicles itself. I'd also like to give a special shout out to our Crusaders Club members. You know who you are. We appreciate your love and support. If you'd like to join our Crusaders Club, we'd love to have you. Membership starts at only $1 a month, and we work hard to earn your buck. Better believe that. We'd also like to give a shout out to our sponsor, Omaha Bound Entertainment, who does hard binding for those special comics in your collection, custom designing every cover so every single hardcover they design is unique, as well as selling special trade collections of hard-to-find comics. All of this is available on their website, which is omahabound.com. And I'm intentionally not giving Jared a promo to talk about how fancy he is. Anthony, it was a pleasure having you on today. Please tell us where you can be found out on social media. Oh, well, it was a pleasure to be on. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at TFU underscore info. The website is www.tfu.info, the world's longest transforming toy archive. And the podcast is Transformers University, which you can find everywhere you listen to this podcast. Uh, on that show, I cover the history of Transformers starting in 1984, working my way chronologically bit by bit. Uh, I just released episode number 84, where I cover Ooh. the Marvel Comics uh, Transformers Universe Profiles books, which is similar to uh, the Marvel Universe profiles uh, that were put out uh, back in the 90s. And, uh, you know, we cover everything from the cartoon to the toys to the coloring books, the comics, uh, all sorts of weird minutiae. And I uh, should be wrapping up 1986 soon and then getting into the really uh, bizarre and weird stuff that comes after the Transformers craze ends. And so you can catch that everywhere you can catch uh, the show. Yeah, once again, weird. We're just extraordinary grateful to have you. And like your podcast is great and the website. I personally need to give more of a, of a view because like as big of a Transformers fan as I am, I'm glad that that's out there as a resource. And man, that's a wonderful time to be a nerd and a geek, isn't it? Like, <laughs> like this, this, this is our time, folks. You know, we're shining all our freaking glory. Uh, John, why don't you tell us about your podcast and where you can be found on the internet? Uh, I will. Before I do, I wanted to just do a quick mention about uh, we we lost Denny O'Neill recently, and it was a very sad loss. Um, Denny O'Neill has a tie to the Transformers universe. He was the one who named Optimus Prime and possibly prowl but that's a new thing he was he was the original guy who had, had submitted the first treatment for for the storyline but jim shooter didn't like it and gave it to bob budiansky instead so who knows what could have been there yeah. but uh but rest in peace danny 
As for me, check out the Rod Pod, uh, where Maggie and I cover the IDW Phase 2 Transformers comics in order. And we actually finally re- are going to record a couple, so we haven't released any in a while. I'm um, also married with comics where we talk about everything else. Uh, you can find it uh, where you found this podcast as well. Or just tell your Amazon device to play Married with Comics podcast. Or find me on Twitter at MWC underscore podcast or Maggie is Maggie N the Rain. There's no I in N. Jared, where can we find you? Maggie in the Rain. Yeah, we know. <laughs> I had to. I could not do it. All right. Why, thank you, Jonathan. I'm glad you asked. I'm at Yard Sale Artist, which is Twitter, Facebook, Instagram is all at Yard Sale Artist. You can also check out my YouTube. If you just search Yard Sale Artist, you'll find me. I'm drawing pictures. I'm going through Yard Sale stuff. And I waited all episode to mention this to Anthony. God bless you, sir. Because as a Yard Sale Artist, I'm Yard Sale every weekend. I'm going to these Goodwills and all that. And half the time, I don't know who these Transformers are. And... Delvin probably got tired of me snapping pictures and texting to him saying, who's this? Who's this? this?" uh, I have been using your website and many of us yard sailors do to identify the figures so that uh, we can properly list them when we flip them on eBay or go, I kind of like this one. I'm going to keep it. and I want to know who he is. So it's a super valuable resource for uh, those of us in the yard sailing community, which you might not have known. So God bless you, sir, for doing that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Delvin. I was waiting for you to say you're so fancy. Like I I was like, come on. I am super fancy. I got a bunch of hardcovers from Omaha Bound in today. You want me to talk about that? Or? I do not. So I can be found on Twitter at DEE underscore RAY1977. See you all next time. And remember, freedom is the right of all sentient beings till all are one. Till all are one. Right? Did I do that right? You did. Oh, okay. You nailed it. Right. You got the power. song clips and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended and it is for entertainment purposes only we are just fans that like to share our love of comics you know just what it takes you're a fighter